Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. He is worthy of it all. Father, we just pray this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory. Father, I ask this morning that our eyes will be open, that our ears will hear, that illumination will come from your word. Father, you teach us this morning through your Holy Spirit. Have your way in this place. For you are worthy of it all. Father, you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, man. Well, I have like two or three messages that I have prepared. Honestly, like the Lord was just like downloading stuff like about identity and about royal family and about what God has in store for us. So honestly, just as you're sitting there, just pray for me that I hit like the right parts of the messages that God wants you all to hear this morning. And whatever's not said this morning will be then the rest of it he may have plans for next week. So I don't know what he's got planned, but there's a lot in store this morning. And I can tell you this, church, miracles... Miracles are continuing to happen in the name of Jesus. Miracles are continuing to happen in the name of Jesus. If you haven't been to this church very often, or maybe you're here for the first time, I tell you what, we have lists of them. We have them documented. I write them down, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle that God is doing in our midst. And I'm not talking like I stub my toe That can be a miracle. I stubbed my toe and it didn't hurt. Or better yet, in our house, I stepped on a Lego and it didn't hurt. Because that's a miracle, okay? If you've ever stepped on a Lego and it didn't hurt, that would be a miracle. But I'm talking about, church, I'm talking about masses, cancerous masses, that once they were at the doctor, they were there, and now they're literally gone. They are not evident anymore in scans or in MRIs. This is the type of... I'm talking about miracles of someone's elbow who was shattered decades ago in Afghanistan. Healing has come in the name of Jesus. So this is something to get excited about. And I keep wondering, I'm just like, man, God is doing this amazing, marvelous, miraculous thing. He is going to blow the roof off of this place in a good way. In a good way. And every word that God has given this church and every word that has come from all these different angles all leads to revival. It is all leading. Why is he doing miracles? Because he loves you, because he cares for you, but he wants to show how good and how powerful that he is that it begins to arrest people's attention. It begins to arrest people's attention. They're going to say, I I can't do this anymore. Quite frankly, I don't know how anybody does this life without Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here and you have never committed your life to Jesus. 
to say, I need your help in this life. I need your help. I want you to come see me afterwards. Or come see anybody that's going to be up here that can pray with you. Do not leave here this morning saying, I'm not sure. I can't do this anymore. I need to make this Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Don't leave here without doing that this morning. This is why he's doing miracles. We are believing as a church on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. You know, that, that prayer that we say, give us this day our daily bread. You know this prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We are praying that his kingdom comes to this earth. So why do we not expect it when we pray it? We ought to be expecting thy kingdom come in my life, in my city, in my jobs, wherever I go, thy will be done. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are the big, bold prayers that we're talking about that I was saying earlier. He has already promised he's going to meet all your needs. So you can pray that and you can rest he's going to meet all your needs. But we are asking for heaven on earth. We are asking for on earth as it is in heaven. That's not me. That's all, not only meeting your needs. That is lives being completely transformed. Marriages being completely reconciled. Absolutely things that you cannot even begin to fathom in your own mind. God begins to do. Ephesians 3.20. Who is able? He is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. I can imagine some pretty big things. I can imagine some pretty big things. And I'll tell you, you say, well, Pastor Jason, you've been talking about revival for a couple months, you know, but I feel like, you know, the, the, there's no traffic jam yet out here. It's coming. It's coming. And we're going to continue to walk towards it, continue to expect it. And in the meantime, God is speaking to us. Because guess what, church? Revival does not start out there. Revival starts right here. Right here in our own hearts. In what he wants to do with our own identity. How we need to see ourselves differently. How we need to walk in obedience. How we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Revival church starts right here. It starts right here. Before it even begins to go out there, it starts right here. And this is what I believe that the Lord has been doing at this church. If you begin to look at all the series that we've done, whether it be provision and harvest, death to life, living a life that's marked by miracles, and now identity, if you really think about everything that God has been teaching us during this time, it's all about reviving us. It's about reviving our own hearts towards Him. And when we turn our hearts towards Him, it begins to open up the floodgates of revival outside of these four walls. So church, I'm going to continue to teach on it. I'm going to continue to talk about obedience. I'm going to continue to walk with the Lord in our day-to-day life. We're going to be a people of prayer, and he will do the revival. You know, the Bible says, and the Lord added to them daily. It wasn't that they were like going out with a marketing campaign. Like, yes, we need to tell people our testimony. You know what the only marketing campaign we have is? Is our testimony. Of what God is doing. Like I'm not against billboards up on 12th Street. And I'm not claiming that we're never going to go put a billboard on 12th Street. But what I am telling you is that our marketing campaign comes from the word of our testimony. From what God is doing. And then what happens? God added daily to them. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. Pastor Jason, you're not on Instagram. How will your church ever reach young people if you're not on Instagram? What? 
Really? This is, this is, that's the world's way to reach young people. I'm sorry. This is not how, this is not God. God, you know, if he says go make an Instagram account this afternoon, I will be obedient and I will go do it. Because he may want to do that. He may want to reach somebody. through so we're, Yes, we're on Facebook Live, and I know they've tried to shut us down sometimes for whatever reason, but we are here to preach the truth of the Word of God. And I believe that when we do that, we will see this revival come, and it will be more than we could ask or imagine. The foundational verse for the series that we're in, it's a series called Identity, is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And it's funny because the, well, it's not funny. I guess it's funny. The foundational verse is in 2 Corinthians, yet we're walking through the book of Ephesians. Okay? This is what God does in his word. He confirms his word in different places. You cannot take one scripture in one spot and say, well, this is for me, if it doesn't line up with all the other scriptures that God has for you. Paul says it's better for you that you don't marry. Like, get, get married. Get, like, be wed. So if you just looked at that verse, well, it's better for me that I don't get married. This is what the Bible says. Well, hold on a second. It doesn't only say that. You see, it is the whole counsel of God. The Word of God is the entire counsel of God. What plans and purposes does he have? So his Word confirms his Word. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? He is a new creation. Oh, church. Thank you, Lord. Because if I was up here, not in Christ... And the old creation, oh, God help us all. God help us all. You don't like that up there? Is that bothering you? I'm sorry about that. I feel like it's going to fall any moment, right? If anyone is right, he is a new creation. All things, the old things have passed away. They're gone. They're gone. They are passed away. We need to get a hold of this in our lives about our identity. And what happens is, behold, all things have become new. And so how do we study this out? We've been working through Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And I'm going to pick up in verse 12. If you have your Bible, Ephesians 1 verse 12. And I'll tell you, I don't know when we're going to get through Ephesians 1. I love you all. You're probably all just like, oh, Jason, please get through Ephesians 1. Like, how long are you going to stay there? As long as the Lord says, you have not gotten it yet completely. I was talking to myself. (laughs) Pastor Jason, until you truly get this, until you can truly communicate to the people that God has placed here, we're going to stay here for a little bit. Now, we're almost through it. That's the good news. And I don't know where we're going to go. We're going to keep walking through Ephesians But leading up to verse 12, what God revealed to me this week is we've been talking about a bunch of I am statements. I am blessed. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am chosen. These are all the words that you see leading up to verse 12 here in Ephesians. And what the Lord revealed to me this week is that our identity determines not only our activity, but it identifies what we have. It identifies what we have. So it says you are blessed. No, we have blessings. You see the difference there is we can walk around knowing that, okay, yeah, I'm blessed, but we need to be calling forth by the word of God that, no, we actually have blessings. So not only are you blessed, but we have blessings. You are a son and daughter of the the Most High. Yeah, 
We have a family. You see, it's not just an identity. It's part of a community that God has called us to that says it's not just you individual as an identity of who you are. You are surrounded by God's people. You are surrounded by blessings and favor and all these things God wants to go do because you are part of him because now you have something. You aren't just are something. You actually now have something. You get that? It's a, it's, a, it's, a little, it's a subtle difference, but it's different. And he says, well, you know, the, the Bible says earlier, it says we are accepted. So I am accepted. He says, no, we have acceptance. I am redeemed. Yes, we have redemption. And because we have redemption, then we can be called redeemed. We are forgiven. We have forgiveness. You are wise. We have wisdom. And last week we talked about I am an heir, meaning we have an inheritance. So verse 12 says this, that we who first trusted in Christ, that we who first trusted in Christ, all of this identity, all of these things, all of this stuff we've been talking about is only possible because of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that makes all of this even possible. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Church, we have hope in Christ. If you walk away with nothing else this morning, you have hope in every situation that you are facing because of Christ Jesus. You have hope. Our hope should not be in the government. Church, I've been been saying this a couple weeks now. Sometimes I go, ooh. Not in Fox News, sorry. Not in CNN or any other news. Radical news to the right or to the left, you choose to watch. Your hope is not in your IQ. Your hope is not in your degree. Your hope is not in your marriage. Church, too often we put our hopes in someone else and not in the living God. Your hope is not in your children. Oh, but they're my inheritance. They're, you know, they're the next generation. Yeah, but your hope is not in them. Too often, man, anybody heard the words living vicariously through someone else, through our children? Right? You know, you see this on the sidelines at like knee-high football, right? Anybody who like coaches any sports, like there are like dads and moms, whatever, like they are living vicariously through. Like, come on, we got to get to practice. We got to do more. And they're trying to live out some dream that they have. They're putting their hope in their children versus no church. Our hope has to be in him. Our hope has to be in him. It's not in your family. It's not in your friends. Our hope is in Christ. You know, the Bible says, without vision, people perish. But I would argue this morning that without hope, people perish. And you know that hope and vision are so closely aligned, so closely tied, is that we get excited when we hear vision, when, when I'm starting to cast vision about downtown Erie, what God's going to do. <clears throat> we begin, it begins to raise what our hope in what God is going to do. So when our hope is focused in him, in what he has in store, who he is, and when we put our identity in him, it puts our hope in Jesus Christ. So the next, verse 13, I want to pick up here. 
And so our hope is in Jesus Christ. This is the only thing that made all of this possible. And I, I love this portion of this chapter because it's like the big finale. It's like the grand finale of all the things that Paul is stating. All the things that he's saying. All these identity markers that have been listed in Ephesians 1. He just ends it with like, you know what? Let me just show you something to put all this in complete perspective and to wrap this thing up for you so that you don't walk away here not knowing your identity in Christ. You ready for this? It says, verse 13, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is what? The guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Church, you are sealed. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And you think of, what do you think of something happens when we seal something? You know, my kids have these lunches that we make, that they go to LCA, the school here, which is an awesome school. They have these lunches that we pack for them. And I don't know what the defect is wrong with the lid that we put on their lunches, but it doesn't seal properly. Okay? And often we get calls from the school like, ah, your kid like dropped the lunch and it, and it went all over the floor. Could you bring another one? And you see, what happens is, is when their lunch drops, the seal is weak. And their lunch splatters all over the floor. Because it wasn't sealed properly. And what I believe that this scripture is beginning to tell us this morning is that when we recognize the Holy Spirit as our counselor, our guide, the person who talks to us, I said person, the person who talks to us and leads us and guides us, he is putting, the Holy Spirit actually puts a seal around our identity. Oh, and so when you drop your lunch, because guess what, church? Life happens and lunches drop. You understand what I'm saying? And peanut butter sandwiches go all over the floor, along with cut up vegetables and cucumbers and other things we feed our kids. They go all over the floor. But what God is telling us this morning is he has brought the Holy Spirit. And when we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, this Holy Spirit now is a seal around our identity. Mm. A beautiful seal around our identity. And you say, well, I feel, like, I feel like that seal is not perfect yet. You know what? Continue to press in. Continue to understand your identity. Continue to walk through that. And put your hope in Him and ask the Holy Spirit, continue to seal my identity in you. Everybody ever hear a dry lock? You know what a dry lock is, right? Like in the basement. We've been talking about leaky foundations in our basement. And this leaky foundation is where there's a break or a gap or something wrong with our identity and how we see ourselves and we're not seeing ourselves as God sees us and there's this leak. Well, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is like dry locking your basement this morning. Come on, church. I don't think anybody's ever compared the Holy Spirit to dry lock. And I don't, I, I, I don't do that lightly. I'm using it as an analogy so you understand. When you begin to put that dry lock on and the Holy Spirit just begins to operate, you don't even have to do the work anymore. You see what I'm saying is we don't have to strive. God's doing the dry locking. You get this. He's doing the sealing through the Holy Spirit. 
We are sealed. There is power in that seal. And you know what that seal does? It keeps things out that needs to be out, and it keeps things in that needs to be in. You see, the Holy Spirit writes the Scriptures. He illuminates our understanding. He awakens our awareness. He changes our desires. He refashions our identity. The Holy Spirit is the means by which the power and the presence of Christ come into those who are in Christ. It was the Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus Christ. He came as fully man, as fully God, but it was his, the Holy Spirit through him, without measure, is what he was able to live on this earth a sinless life and go to the cross for our sins. Jesus knew his full identity. Jesus said, what, it's good that I go so that the helper can come. You see, when we put our hope in Christ and we allow the Holy Spirit to seal our identity, even when the world bounces us around, even when our lunchbox drops, we keep that which needs to be in, in. Because He does it. And that which needs to be out, out. The lies that come, the thoughts that come, the things that try to penetrate Holy Spirit has sealed us. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? I don't feel like, you know, I, I begin to believe some of these lies and these other things. Well, what do we need to do, church? We need to stand on this word. There's a challenge in your life, an identity crisis, a part of your identity that you don't understand. Well, the Holy Spirit has sealed you. Put your hope in Christ and begin to read this word and begin to study this word. Where is it that I'm struggling in my identity? What does God's words and promises have in my life and for me? This is what God has in store for us. The Holy Spirit is a person. Church, He is not impersonal. He is personal. And He's not a far away at all. He's near. He actually resides on the inside of you. Verse 15 says this, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's the prayer. And this is my prayer for us in this series. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened and that you may know the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him, meaning Jesus, at His right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that is which to come. And I love this as He ends this part of Scripture. And He put what? All things under His feet. 
and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Church, when we begin to get a hold of this, of this identity and this, this understanding of who we are in Christ and our hope is in Him and that we are sealed, we begin to act and believe and change the way we go about life. There's this, I, love, I love equations. I don't have it up here. But let me give you an equation. Since we are saints, we've already studied that, since we are saints who have a new nature... Right? We have a new nature, not an old nature, we have a new nature that is divine, actually, 2 Peter 1, verse 4, and who think like God, which is proven in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we are royalty. What? What do you... What? No, 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 no. That's like, we don't live in that type of society. That's for the people over in England. You know, Brexit. You know, that, that's their deal. That's what, that's what they're working on. No, 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 no. The Bible clearly states that we are part of a royal family. We are part of a royal family. And when you are part of a royal family, you begin to act differently. When you begin to get a hold of what your identity truly is and your hope in Christ, you begin to act differently. So I ask this question, where are the Elijahs? Where are the Elijahs who confronted kings? who called fire down from heaven? Where are the Daniels who stood in the courts of four worldly kings and won the most powerful nations of that time to God? Where are the Nehemiahs who built the wall up? I can tell you where they are. They're right here. You're sitting right here in this church service. You are sitting in these pews. The word from earlier was what? Where your challenge is, where the the enemy is coming against you, is where your calling is going to go be. Church, this is us. We are actually uh, royalty. There are giants out there that need slain. Church, we have to get a hold of our identity because there are giants out there that need slain. There are giants out there of poverty, of racism, of murder, of corruption, of crime, of of trafficking. This stuff happens in Erie, guys. This stuff, and the news may not show all of it, and I know that they don't because they don't know all of what's actually going on. This stuff is happening right here. But we are called by God to do something about it. And why it's so important that we understand our identity and that it's sealed by the Holy Spirit because He is calling you not to sit in these pews each week. He's calling you to come to get equipped and then to go out and do the work of the ministry. You are part of a royal family. The God of all creation is your dad. You are part of a royal family family. And so I don't know how far I'm going to get into this. I'm going to give you a couple of the things, a little teaser for next week maybe. There are four different things that I believe the Lord was showing me on what you do when you are royalty. And I believe that we as a church and as a people need to begin to think this way and act this way as we walk out this royal identity that God has given us. The first thing that we do is we protect the kingdom. Church, 
if you are in royalty, let's just say, just for a minute, if you were a king or a queen, which, oh yeah, by the way, we are, but let's just say that you are a king and a queen, your prince, princesses, this is the Bible, says all these things, okay? But let's just say for a minute, you actually were a king and queen over a land, over a, a, a community, over a kingdom. You would have a couple different things that would be top of mind, wouldn't they be? You would be thinking of certainly, you know what? These are things that are really important for me to do. These are important for me to be considered about. The very first one is to protect the kingdom. Now, I'm not getting into a political speech about our borders and building a wall. and do, I'm not getting into that this morning. What I'm telling you is, is we actually, we need to protect our borders. From a spiritual perspective, we have to protect our borders. I'm not talking about the border down in Mexico and Texas or the border that we sit on here between us and Canada. I'm, not, I'm talking about the spiritual borders. We need to be protecting our kingdom, being praying for, casting out demons, seeing things radically change and move because the Bible clearly says that our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against immigration, church. Our fight against principalities and powers of darkness. So if you are part of a kingdom, you need to be thinking about protecting your kingdom. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but what? But mighty. They are mighty in God for doing what? Pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This is how we protect the kingdom. This is our role in protecting the kingdom as kings and as queens and the royal family. What is the next part of the verses? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of who? Of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We are battling forces of darkness. You may not realize that. It's why that seal of the Holy Spirit is so important, because you are actually in a battle. Day in and day out, you're in a battle. Some of us are more aware of it than others. And I'll tell you, church, I, a couple, oh my goodness, the time has gone quickly. Uh, I had an opportunity on Tuesday, I think it was, to go uh, to downtown Erie, and I had a meeting downtown Erie, and then I began just to walk around. And I could have left Erie, but I just really felt like God was telling me, just start walking around the city and start praying for the city. And you know, as I did that, as I walked around, I began to see people completely different. I began to see the lost, the hurting, the struggling, those who were in need. And my attention actually didn't turn, which normally it does, to reaching in and seeing if I have anything in my wallet to give to people, which I typically do when I'm downtown. But my attention turned to prayer. My attention turned to prayer and said, there is a battle that needs fought. Yes, do we give? Yes, do we serve? Yes, but there is a battle, an actual battle against principalities and powers of darkness that we as a church need to fight. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or you go to work somewhere or whatever you go do, you are part of the battle to fight. This is why revival starts here in us. We need to see this 
for what it really is and begin to change how we act. This protecting the kingdom is we are defending the decrees of the king, church. We are defending the decrees of the king. The second one, and I'll end with this one. You have to come back for number three and four. <laughs> was not planning that, but look how that happened. Whoops. Marketing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Sort of. <laughs> okay, number two, where's that? Grow the kingdom. It's not just about protecting your borders, guys. It's about actually growing the kingdom. It's about bringing in, welcoming in different people from different races, different nationalities, different colors. God has big plans in store for our kingdom, church. His kingdom is bigger than we could ever imagine. Matthew 28. I think it says verse 18. Yikes. Reading glasses. Nina, help. And Jesus came, she didn't hear me, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Our command is to grow the kingdom, to go into all the nations, to go into the nation that's right here that God has planted us in, that has called us, and it says, go and make disciples of all the nations. This is a big call. This is a huge call. And too often we think of discipleship on a one-on-one level, and that's a piece of it. You understand what discipleship is? We are need to be working with government leaders. We need to be working with school district leaders. We need to be working with those who, who are in charge in different places and begin to transform what God is doing in this community. This is what he's asking us to do, is to grow the kingdom. It's a huge mandate. The kingdom grows. The kingdom grows when things are functioning properly and we're in unity. Church, the word unity has been something that is a unity and alignment, really, are the two words God has been speaking very recently to our church. Unity and alignment. Unity and alignment. He's got big plans and big per- Andy, if you want to come up here. He's got big plans for us. I'll get to the other two next week. I won't even tell you what they are. I want to end with this scripture. First Corinthians four. Verse eight says, You are already full. Church, when we recognize our identity, listen, you are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us, and indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. I feel like my job, my job description, is to be training for reigning. 
that I need to be training this church family for reigning wherever God has put you. Whether it be our children, adults, is a big call on our lives. You say, well, the, you know, my, I just, I, I, I'm at home with my kids. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is, that is one of the highest callings that you can have. You are training for reigning. The Holy Spirit has just been speaking to me as he's sitting here talking, and you went there and said, I'm just home with my kids. Mm. And what this is, is talked about being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Mm. I, I feel like a huge part of the identity is we're not alone. Once you receive Christ, you are part of a family, but... He lives in you. He lives in you and through you. And so you're not alone. And over and over up here, um, over and over, we talk about, talk about taking the city and God's purposes and plans. But it begins in a moment when you are physically alone or you're alone with your child or you're alone in the studio you're alone and you're working on something and you are alone in your office, you're studying and the Holy Spirit prompts you. He prompts you. For some of us, it's our marriage and that's where our battle is today. And when we walk in obedience and we partner with the Holy Spirit, we get victory and victory comes quicker and it comes faster when we remember, oh, he's I'm sealed in him. I love that around, like I'm sealed in him. He's with me in this. So many times I've walked through my house and there's been things that just want to overtake me, a sense of failure in this area, a sense of chaos in this area, a sense of frustration in this area. And I'll just begin to pray in the spirit because if I put words to it, well, because I just can't put words to it in that moment, I'll just begin to pray in the spirit and I move on with my day. Uh, but the victory in those moments, God will begin to grow us in those moments for maximum ability. Maximum usability. That's my heart. I don't want to be distracted by the left or the right or what God's doing in him and how God's using him. I know, I know where I start, and I don't presume to know where God has me finishing. But I know that when I stand before him, I want to be used to the maximum for him. I don't want him to be disappointed. I don't want to disappoint him. I just don't. I don't want to disappoint him. And so I partner with the Holy Spirit. That is the core of, that's the, that's the core of my identity is him. Amen. Because in him I can't fail. That's right. By myself, I fail every day. <laughs> I mean every day. There's evidence of the failure. And sometimes I get my eyes on that, and that's a bad day. There's tears. You can find me in the corner of the laundry room crying. He's got to come and pick me up. Come on, let me pray for you. You believe in a lie. And I've got to remember, the Holy Spirit hasn't gone anywhere, but I have, rem- I have to remember that I'm sealed in him. Yeah. So it's in those moments. Moms, college students, high school students, you know, and your life just seems like, what is this guy talking about, the city? My goodness, can I just not be mean to myself when I'm failing? Can I just get victory in the everyday? I mean, I can't take a city, but God can. Amen. 
but God can. I'm just going to say this. Um, I went to get blood work done once, and it's always shocking when people find out we have eight children. And this woman, she found out we had eight children, and she's like, oh. And I always try to say something that gives glory to God, and I tried to do that, and it sounded so awkward. It sounded so bad. It just sounded awkward, and I was really upset with myself. Oh my gosh, Liz, you just sounded so awkward. That didn't, I just was really upset. I came home. He's like, what's the matter? What's wrong? And I told him, and I just was so upset with myself that I wasn't able to articulate and give glory to God in the way that I wanted. And I'm telling you, there was a freezer being delivered that day, 10 minutes, 20 minutes later down in our basement. And I walked downstairs and the guy was telling Jason that his, he just had some tragic situation that was happening in his life with a little boy, his grandson, whose leg was broken by a man, bad situation. And now the little boy was in their home. And I'm watching the guy, and he tells a story, and I go back upstairs, and I'm washing dishes, and I can see out the back window, and he's moving the old freezer out the back. And the Lord said, pray for him. And I didn't have to try to pray for him. I didn't have to try to do anything, because it was the Holy Spirit who told me to do it. I marched right out there and I said, can I pray for you? Because I just think that God has a plan here. That little boy is in your care. And he was like, yeah. And I prayed for him. You know, I think about him. I think about his family often and I pray for them. And God just contrasted those two things. One was my idea. Oh, I got to give glory to God for my eight kids so that it doesn't seem like I'm prideful or like I have some great skill at being a parent because heaven forbid someone should think I have skill. You know, it was just this awkward, weird thing that I conceived of, and it didn't go well. And then the Lord said, here, watch what happens when it's my idea. Watch what happens when it comes from me. And, I mean, I walked out there with all the power of the Holy Spirit. And you all have seen me do that, you know. It's it's just something, I mean, I pray that you all do that. You've been propelled forward into a ministry moment that was predestined for your participation. It is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And it is in those moments, those predestined moments. Did I take over? Did I just like scoot you out to start preaching? It's in those predestined moments, Holy Spirit moments that he made for your participation that change a city. It may be a moment that's happening with your child on the playground handling something or speaking into their life. It may be a moment with you and the Holy Spirit alone working on something, but it's, it's learning that participation that seals us in him because we are sealed in him. And it's that way that we take a city. Amen. Okay. Good word. So I want to pray for us, uh, this morning as we close. Um, if you have specific prayer requests in your life. There's going to be some small group leaders that are up here that can pray with you. I mentioned earlier that if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never said that prayer or confessed that confession, the Bible says we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and we shall be saved for all eternity. We can live with Him. So I don't want you to leave here this morning if you've never done that. So come up here and find me or one of these small group leaders that are up here. I want to pray for you and I just want to speak a benediction over you. 
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for your Son who came to this earth and died for our sins. We thank you that you rose him from the grave, defeated death, defeated death for us. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that seals us, that we can lean on, that can lead us and guide us in those small moments for truly taking a city, expanding your kingdom is made up of a lot of small moments. Small battles, small victories that may seem big in the moment, but they're all orchestrated together for your glory, God. Father, strengthen us as we go our way this week. May we be reminded of the word that you are working. You are working, God, in our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before you just, small group leaders, you can make your way up. Before you dismiss, I just want to read Romans 15, 13 over you as a benediction. Now may the God of hope The God of hope, fill you. May he fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have an awesome day. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.